We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home. And a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Yes, Stu's Raiders emerge victorious yesterday in overtime. A little dare car to Devontae Adams. Love it. You love to see it. And the Broncos, unfortunately, their season just sinks lower and lower and lower. <laughs> and Nathaniel Hackett forced to answer questions about his game management. We already found out earlier in the week, Perloff, that he's given up all play calling. So mm. they hired a former special teams coach to help him with decision-making in games. Now he's not doing any of the play calling. What do you do around here? <laughs> well, I mean, there are a lot of good coaches who don't play call. So that's, that's not true. the end of the world. But I, a little bit of that's on Russell Wilson, too. He had a third down about a minute 50 left. All he had to do was sort of take a knee and he threw an incompletion. But how, the Raiders felt like they could have scored could have scored 24 points in the last three minutes of that game. Like, what happened to the Broncos' defense? I don't know. We have a little Nathaniel Hackett describing the mentality behind that third down play. We were discussing on whether or not we wanted to run the ball. We wanted to get our, ourselves a chance to be able to close the game out and win it. Um, so we called a pass, and uh, you, you got to keep the clock running one way or the other. Uh, whether you take a shot down the field and, and you try to go up, maybe get a PI opportunity, because if you do catch it, you have a chance to win the game, and it's great. Um, if it doesn't, the one thing, you know, we, we just want to be sure that clock is running if we can, if unless we have a chance for the shot to win the game. Um, that's one of those situations you can take a sack uh, or you could just run the ball, but uh, we, we didn't want, obviously we want the clock running in that situation. The more he talks, it's like, I feel like I'm hearing someone who's guilty. Just like, uh, well, yeah, yeah, but, but that's because he was guilty there. You know why he was guilty? Because he just sold out Russell Wilson. A hundred percent, right? Yes. But Wilson, now, so you watch this game closely. You're our Raiders expert. Wilson was 24 for 31 for 247 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. That's nearly perfect. I mean, <laughs> and actually most of the incompletions were throwaways too. How did the Broncos, not, how did they not score more points, Maggie? This has been the whole thing this whole year. What's the stat? If they scored 18 points in regulation, they'd be 9-1? and one? Yeah. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. Like, he played really well. They should have won that game. They should have won both games, if we're being honest. Melvin Gordon, a big culprit of why they lost both games. Yeah. Well, at least, at least they're going to get a high draft pick out of this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. You know who's going to get it. Yeah, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. That's the worst. How many teams did you say were in the top 10, Maggie, that don't have their own draft pick right now? Yeah, so right now, in the top 10, four teams do not have their draft picks. The worst. So right now, the draft order would be Houston 1, Carolina 2, Chicago 3. By the way, Rich from Chicago just called in, said uh, that he does not, his intel says Justin Fields not going to play this week. Just saw an NFL network. He's been taken for an MRI on his shoulder. Ooh. Okay, so Houston, Carolina, Chicago, then Stu's Raiders. Then fifth would be Denver. That's going to Seattle. Six of the Rams. That's going to Detroit for the Matthew Stafford trade. Seven is Cleveland, which is going to Houston. And then Pittsburgh, eight. Jacksonville, nine. Tenth is New Orleans going to Perloff's Eagles. Oh, Oof. New Orleans had to go ahead and beat the Rams to make that a worse pick. I saw uh, your Andy Dalton tweets. <laughs> um, not not a bad day. Uh, it's 149.5, a good rating. I believe it's the perfect rating, actually. Yeah, when you're platooning with Taysom Hill, it's a good situation. Um, uh, Taysom Hill, that's a, he's awesome, too. He he was actually throwing the ball on Sunday. The Rams, I'd say, are in a bit of trouble, Maggie. You think so? Yeah. I, I don't think this is the season's going to be working out for them. Yep. And actually, Matthew Stafford with a second concussion, just, I mean, just retired. And like, who on earth is that guy that they put in? Uh, to play Kendall Perkins or something? Oh, the third string guy? Bryce Perkins. Thank you, yeah. Pat. Yeah, from Virginia. Yeah, that is not an NFL quarterback I'd see. I know he was in a little bit last week. 
That is a uh, that's not John Wolford. When, when John not, Wolford is barely an NFL quarterback. Did you say Kendrick Perkins? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, I did. Kendrick I did. Perkins <laughs> is playing quarterback yesterday for the Rams. Yeah. Uh, he left the ESPN set and now he's there. If, if you are a backup quarterback or a third string quarterback in the NFL and Perloff doesn't know who yeah. you are, you might as well Ooh. go quit. Because yeah. you are the king of the backup quarterbacks. You know all of them. You're friends with them. Write written books with a couple of them. Yeah. If you have no idea who they are, there's no hope. Well, I thought this whole year was going to be the year of the backup quarterback because obviously Taylor Heineke is a superstar. That's, That's a true. given. I thought Sam Ellinger was going to pull a couple games out. <laughs> Hasn't happened. Cole McCoy looks great. We'll see him tonight. <laughs> Cole McCoy could have a starting <laughs> job next year, although we say that a lot about him. Yeah, Cole McCoy is his 12th NFL season. You think he's going to start now? That'd be amazing. He'd be next year's Geno Smith. He'd be an upgrade over whatever the Jets are doing. Yes. You need a bridge Big quarterback. Time. Maybe Colt McCoy's your guy. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Cowboys because this was thorough domination of the Vikings. Listen, maybe the Vikings couldn't get up for this game after the emotional win against Buffalo. I would think that with Dallas coming to town, you would want to be you'd be twice as amped up, you know, just to prove everybody wrong. All the naysayers who are wondering, you know, why don't the Minnesota Vikings get more respect? Well, we're not we're going to go back to not talking about the Vikings for a while because that's yeah. how thorough that was. I, absolutely. I think the the Cowboys from when they have a lead, they're, they're really tough. Yeah. Because they can start running the ball and they can start rushing the passer. But, you know, you've been saying the Cowboys are a rocket ship. Yep. That's weird, though. After they lost to Green Bay, you did not come in Monday and say the Cowboys are a rocket ship. Are people ne- forgetting the same Dallas Cowboys team? Never wavered. <laughs> lost to the Green Bay Packers, who were objectively terrible last week. How do you put the two of those facts together? Defense just had an off day. I don't know. I cannot explain it's that hard. one. By the way, everything this year is hard to explain. The Cowboys <laughs> lead the list. I do not understand how a team can go out there and look like that against Minnesota and then just give away a game to the Packers last week. Well, it looks like they are obviously keeping the door open when it comes to more help. Uh, Jerry Jones was asked after the game about what's the situation with Odell Beckham Jr. Before the Odell Beckham is going to visit you guys at the Giants after Thanksgiving, uh, has that been set up? You guys have a visit set up with Odell? Well, yes, but uh, uh, and I'll leave it at that. This week, this week, yeah. No, I just said yes, and I'm, I, I will leave it at that. You, your, your statement was after Thanksgiving, and that's the yes. I'm not saying just when. I'm not trying to be cute. We just don't have that set up. Okay. But we're planning to get together at a time. So that was Jerry on Odell. Want to be a little bit cagey about the details. Looks like Odell's trying to get the Giants and the Cowboys kind of getting a little bit of a bidding war. Well, let me put on my Eagles hat to analyze this. Uh, yeah, it's obnoxious. You <laughs> I don't know if I want your Eagles hat on for this one. I say great. Get Odell. Get that ball out of Tony Pollard's hands. Any play that you are not giving it to Tony Pollard against the Philadelphia Eagles is a good play in my mind. Bring in more weapons. Throw the ball more. Get away from your identity. That's the only thing that can stop the Cowboys right now. Okay, so... If Odell Beckham were to go to the Cowboys, which I don't know, the Giants just had a really bad loss to the Lions yesterday. I don't know if maybe the wheels might start falling off a little bit here on the Giants. They play the Dallas Cowboys on on Thanksgiving. So I don't know if they're, I I wonder how desperate they're going to be for Odell. It's like, no, no, we want you. That Lions loss probably might have ended their flirtation with Odell. It's possible. Or maybe it ramped it up if the Giants really, you know, are, are hell bent on making the playoffs this year. But The thing is about the Dallas Cowboys, I think that Odell would have to understand if you're coming in, it's not because you're getting 10 targets a game. 
Like, this is not what the identity of this team is now. You have a number one wide receiver in CeeDee Lamb. You have a run game, and it's all about the defense and the run game. But if you think you're coming in and it's going to be like vintage Odell Pro Bowl, like, this is not what's going to happen. Do you think they can have that kind of conversation with him? Well, I think that was a little bit of that with the Rams. Yeah. Odell Cooper went there. Cooper Cup, obviously number yeah, one. He was happy being the second fiddle. Then he ended up being, for the first half of the Super Bowl, the first fiddle. Yeah. Uh, I do think that Odell would accept that to be at a place like Dallas because there's so much notoriety, there's so much attention that it'd be good. But I do think at some point, yeah, I think you're going to have to throw the ball to him. Don't you think that he would be miserable? You saw your guy, Stephon Diggs, big team first guy. He wasn't getting any targets yesterday in the Bills-Browns game. All of a sudden, he's yelling at Sean McDermott. Wide receivers, by nature, need targets or they get miserable and I, I do think, yeah, Odell is great. He's a great personality. But listen, there's been team chemistry problems. Right now, everything looks really good in Dallas. It looks like they're really clicking. Everyone's on the same page. They have a great run game. Do you need Odell Beckham Jr.? See, I think Odell put to bed that reputation mm. with the Rams. Okay. And if you're asking me, like, if he makes one great play for you, then it's worth it. If he makes one catch against the 49ers or something like that in the in the playoffs – then it became worth it. And I don't think his ego right now is so, so big. I mean, I might be proven wrong because he's going on like a multi-city tour to try to like shop himself. But I don't think his ego is so big now that he is delusional in the fact that he would be like the number one guy, especially he's coming off of uh, a major injury. I I think that he would have to look and say, which team is closer to making the Super Bowl? It's a no-brainer. The Dallas Cowboys are light years ahead of the New York Giants in terms of making a Super Bowl. So, and by the way, we're not going to rule out. There's, there's thirty other teams. Who knows? Remember, the Bills were flirting with him for a while. What happened there? I don't think he. I don't think he made the trip. I don't know if he's going up there yet. But (laughs) I mean, what about Kansas City too? I guess they they probably don't need him anymore. But. Why? Why not the Bills? I'm just curious. Say, uh, I don't know. I would think the Bills would be into it. Yeah. Would you g- give his agent a call? I just think that he's coming off an ACL. It's midseason. He's got to learn some form of a system, unless he knows the offense from before. Feels like a lot of work for very little return to me. I wonder what Cowboys fans think. Eight five five two and two four CBS. Eight five five two and two four two two seven. Do you want Odell Beckham Jr. to sign with the Cowboys? By the way, I would take Odell Beckham Jr. in Philadelphia in a heartbeat. I say, bring him on. Funny, I didn't. I saw no reports that he was going to Philadelphia. Uh, not he's one. not been linked to them very much. There have been some Eagles fans on some message boards. That, <laughs> yeah. but, I don't know, think that's going to get it done. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny when it's your team. All logic goes aside, and that's what I tweeted out this take that basically, what do the Cowboys need OBJ for? They just won forty to three, and everyone said more weapons can't hurt. I feel like that's more of a fan take than reality. Be sometimes. More weapons is not necessarily a big addition because they're more mouth to feed. So Yeah, but you know what? For Kansas City, good thing they have all those weapons because Juju Smith-Schuster goes out, Michael Hardman goes out, and they still have guys who are there able to catch the ball. Like, you needed a lot of bodies. Yeah, that's true. Well, those weren't really Odell Beckham-type weapons. Sky Moore is a, a second-round pick. They have a lot of guys who probably wouldn't be starting in other cities who are now superstars. It's a little annoying, to be honest with you. <laughs> and they have Travis Kelsey. Kelsey is the thing that holds it all together. That's for sure. Uh, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Can we play it quickly now that the game is over, or is there a window here, Stu? We can play it? Okay, so the United States it comes to a draw with Wales. 1-1. Timothy Weah from the United States, who's playing for the United States, was born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island 
had the goal for the U.S. Musa, Sergeant Pulisic on the run. Pulisic has Wea. Pulisic rolls it in. Tim Wea. You know why don't our uh, announcers do this on football and on baseball and stuff like that? The it's such mm. a soccer thing to extend out the call. Yeah, well, you know I'm not going to do it, but why don't they do that? Like Kelsey. Well, I think you, going. it works more with soccer, which only happens once or twice or three times a game. Yeah. Imagine last night in the Chargers Chiefs game, there was a lot of scoring. It would get, wouldn't it get annoying? <laughs> you, yeah, is your your voice would go. You know, Gus Johnson can do it. Gus kind of does. Gus does it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Gus, it could be a West Virginia it. Iowa State game, and oh, he will just turn an au- it into the Super just Bowl. Just an audible screaming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be some game that nobody cares about except Gus Johnson. People say that nobody t- tunes in for announcers. False. I do. I tune in for a Gus Johnson calling anything. Mm-hmm. Give me an Iron Eagle calling anything. I will tune in. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's calling like a little league today. Cool. And the magic that is Kirk Herb shooting out Michaels, of course. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, did we ever get to the bottom of that? clip that was making the rounds on the internet this weekend about uh, Kirk Herbstreit. That guy massaging his foot to keep it It was warm. a woman. I think it was the makeup artist or yeah. someone who was like a wardrobe they were, person. They were, were vigorously rubbing the bottom of his foot. So he was, I think he was wearing dress shoes and there was a really, really cold day in Montana. Yeah. And I think he was in danger of frostbite. I'm, I, maybe I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, it was It was cold. They Wait, were having a hard time. Is this time what came out? Is, did this like did ESPN say that, no, or I, you just think that? No, I just think that. Oh. I, obviously, <laughs> Kirk Herbstreit was about to get frostbite. I definitely think he was frostbite. I mean, you've sat on a TV set outside in the cold; it's bad, and your feet are just sitting there and they're not moving, and all the cold is coming up from the ground. I'll bet you that he got in a little bit of danger there. Perloff, are you new around here? Is this the first time you you understand they have heaters underneath the desk? Wait, <laughs> I've I've been on many desks that did not have heaters outside. But game day definitely has heaters. Then why were they rubbing his feet? I have no idea. And by the way, how do you thing. know? They were struggling. Are you sure they had heaters there? I think they had heaters under the desk. I've heard that before from other people who've worked for ESPN that they do have heaters under the desk. Or also the hand warmers, you know, that like when you go skiing, you can I put them know. in your in your in your mittens and put them in your boots. There's a point where McAfee started openly weeping. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that they had that all figured out in Montana. It was the coldest game day on record. It had to be busy. It was for freezing. He was probably wearing dress shoes. I don't understand. The dude, I do not understand. How did then, he get? How did he get? To, he got to the East Coast somewhere. What, what game was he doing? They were doing. Um, it was at 8 o'clock. Were they doing the South Carolina yes. Tennessee game, right? How did he get from. He has a. Pri- he. He leaves game day. He has a car. He's gone over this whole system. Takes a private jet. He does it every week. No, it's I know, but sometimes it's not like the distance to travel isn't so difficult, right? It's like, oh, you got from Dallas to you know to Alabama. Okay, that can work. I don't understand. He got from Montana to South Carolina. Yeah, he does it every week. How long is that flight? I would he guess must be getting to the hours? game like by the skin of his teeth. What time that that game was? What time? I think it started at. Seven. I think that might have been a seven Eastern game. Uh, so he's done game day at noon. Yeah, yeah. It's it's tight. It's, a, it's an adventure. So we really think that he was about to get frostbite, and that's why the woman had to rub the bottom of his foot. What do you think it was? I don't know. It was a bizarre clip, though. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Yes, Stu. four hours and four minutes is the uh, average flight time. Uh, okay, so that's not that bad. That's not that bad. Can we get confirmation on the frostbite rumor that I'm starting? <laughs> I'm working on it. That you're starting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only thing that's going to come up is Perloff's Twitter feed. That's all you're going to find. Uh, 
What are we talking about? The Cowboys. That's what we want to hear from you about. Do you want Odell Beckham Jr.? Are you worried he'd mess up the chemistry? Or would you just want another weapon for this offense? Yes. Back on Maggie and Perloff. Been talking a lot of NFL, a little World Cup. Now let's turn our attention a little bit to college football. There was a point. There's a couple of interesting points on Saturday. I mean, there were many interesting games. There was a moment, I don't know if you guys were watching CBS, where Michigan was losing to Illinois. Yeah. And TCU was losing to Baylor. CBS, I guess, was already done their game. I heard Coach Neuheisel say the next 15 minutes could be massive. It could mean both Clemson and Alabama are in the Final Four. Now, remember, four days before, I remarked you could not get Alabama odds on going to the Final Four. Right. Then complete chaos struck. And then, for the most part, complete chaos was held at bay on Saturday. <laughs> But there was moments for not just those Michigan and not just TCU. It seemed like everybody struggled this weekend. It felt like everyone was up against the ropes. You're right about that. And Proloff and I were getting into it a little bit in the break about who like had the most crushing loss of the weekend. And while I think Baylor, you'd probably say that takes the cake, right? I mean, yeah. we can, uh, Pat, do we have the Baylor sound? Let's play the end of the Baylor TCU game, which was, as you know, the fire drill when they ran the ball on third down and then had 14 seconds to get the field goal unit out to kick a 40-yarder. Third down, another run. DeMarcado. Going to get on the field. Yeah, he got a hustle here. A run. And now it's a total scramble. Emergency mode for the unbeaten Horn Frogs. Hypnotoad in a hurry. Griffin Kell for the win. TC. Great call on Fox. Who's that? Jason Benetti. Fantastic. And I I stand by this. I do not think 20 of the 32 mm. NFL teams would have been able to pull this off. Right. But it was, you don't get full credit, though, because why did they ever run play? The play I have before? no idea. They didn't gain that many yards. They gained a few yards, but it was kind of on them. So I don't think they get full credit for the scramble drill. <laughs> they definitely get full credit. The fact they pulled that off, I thought... Maybe I was like, I definitely didn't think this in the moment. And in the moment, I thought like everyone else, what the heck, heck are you doing? Yeah. I thought, are they trying to get to a certain hash mark? Because maybe the well, they were. That's what he said afterwards. It. He said he liked that side. Yeah. But then I guess he, he didn't even know that they were doing this. The kicker yeah. said as soon as he heard them say, what is it? Bazooka, bazooka. Then he knew he had to run out there well, and Sunday win the game. Afterwards in the, on the field, it was like, yeah, we practice that all the time. They Every exactly. Thursday. Yeah. Practice it. So, yeah, that was a, a, what an ending. And I knew that. I felt all game. That game is coming down to the last few plays. And Baylor easily could have put it away and ended TCU's perfect season. That being said, I'm trying to wonder if TCU could get in with one loss even. If they get to the title game, they might be okay with one loss. Okay, now. finally you're impressed by TCU? No, not impressed by that game. I'm not impressed. The thing is, I'm not impressed with anybody. I don't know who's good, Maggie. I, I can't find the great team. Well. <sighs> Georgia? Yeah, Georgia's Georgia definitely got great a really bad call at the end. They kept Kentucky from making 69. 69 over Kentucky. They should blow the doors off that team. No, I understand. I thought, I think the TCU is a good team. I mean, they have like number one strength of schedule in terms of who they've had to play. It's all there for them. I thought they were about 11 in strength of schedule. I think of the top. Okay. Of the top uh, teams ranked in the college football playoff rankings. Okay. I theirs is the highest. That's what I thought. I'll double check that. But that but, well, I'm, whatever. It's impressive. They're very high. And I think they've put together the fact that they are that they're still undefeated. I mean, just one more game. That's it. 
just get to the Big 12 title game and then you're get through that and you're in. Yeah, but they have had too many close calls. I there was an interesting debate on Twitter and other places this weekend. Is TCU, if they're the four seed, are they going to get blown out in the first round? And therefore, should they not be the four seed? First of all, I don't think it's a guarantee they get blown out the first round. Not at all. No, me neither. But most people think if they face Georgia, Georgia will do what they did to Oregon. Well, I mean, I don't know if it would be that, like uh, that kind of a throttle, but I think you have to give TCU the benefit of the doubt. They've been in some big games. They've been, you know, maybe they haven't played somewhat of the caliber of Georgia, but, you know, neither has Ohio State or Michigan. No, but I think you'd argue the Big Ten's better than the Big Twelve, despite what Ryan Leaf has said. <laughs> I don't know. I if mean, you, I don't have that evidence. I, I know well, that I mean, you like to say that, but I don't know if the evidence is there. I mean, okay, I can make the anti Big Twelve. They've beaten teams that are right around five hundred by one score. Again, you know, they've been in the final minute with West Virginia, who's a five hundred team. Baylor's a five hundred team. Texas Tech is a five hundred team, and they're taking them down to the wire. Texas is barely above a five hundred team, so. I just think it's these close games. So do you count the style points? Because the style points are not necessarily there. Well, but who put up style points this weekend? Michigan put up style points? Absolutely uh. not. And then we'll see what happens with Blake Corum and his injury. But like Ohio State, you and I disagree about how bad of a loss this was for Maryland. My heart went out for there's a lot of Maryland alums around this office. My best friend went to Maryland. So the end of the Ohio State game, when Maryland at least had a prayer like, well, no, no, but t- t- I mean, their win percentage was well below 1%. Was it, though? They It was a one-score game. They got the ball back with, what, about 40? 42 seconds 42 left. 42 seconds left, no team. But, but by the final play, it was done. Okay, well, let's hear uh, what happened to Maryland in the final moments. Tunga Bailoa gets the snap, drops into his own end zone to throw, and Safety. he's going to be grabbed, and the ball's knocked out of his hands, and Steel Chambers picks up the ball and runs Pick it six. in the end zone as Zach Harrison poked it away from Tunga Bailoa, and it's 42-30 Ohio State. And that's courtesy of Learfield. Of course, it's two, it's Tua's younger brother, Talia Tagovailoa, who's the quarterback for Maryland. Right, but that, that was the, rough. the score was irrelevant. I mean, the fact that they scored there. They w- might get off one more play, right? It wasn't. It wasn't no, like they that, were. That could have been like a career. Like Ohio State, I felt like was on the ropes in that game. You you mm. felt like they were more in control. I I didn't think that. I felt like they were legit on the ropes, and that would have been such a career defining, you know, program defining win for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, wh- at what point did you think Maryland was going to win the game, though? I mean, Ohio State had them pretty much the whole time. If they had a couple timeouts and maybe like a minute 30 on the clock, I thought maybe they would have had a better chance. They had 42 seconds and no timeouts, which was really tough. Uh, yeah, and deep in their own territory. But they had been making big plays the whole game. It's just hard. When you have to score a touchdown in that situation, it's pretty hard. College football games with the first down stop clocking, yeah. you never know. That was going to be hard. But even so, it was not an impressive game for C.J. Stroud. And, I mean, USC won too, but again... I, I'm I'm imp- sort of impressed, but it, they, they let up over 40 points to the number 16 team in the country. There's just definitely a weird sense of parity amongst everyone, probably Georgia and a cliff. But as Ohio State-Michigan, I know they're playing on Saturday. We're going to spend a lot of time later in the week. Yeah. Either of those teams scare you? Um, I, Like, do you think, if say you're, you're, I know you love TCU. Yeah. TCU faces either of those teams. You're not scared they're going to get blown out. I don't think they get blown out. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win, but I, would, yeah. I wouldn't be scared they get blown out. I think that what this weekend showed us is that, you're right, C.J. Stroud did not have a great game, and I think the Heisman is now Caleb Williams to lose. He put up 
470 passing yards. He ran for 48 yards, scored three touchdowns. I know they won 48-45. I think a lot of people are watching that game, even though it's late on the on the East Coast. I think that him and his, the back and forth with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but, like, I think that because of Stroud's, you know, not great game, and because Caleb Williams put up these gaudy numbers, I and, and unfortunately because Hendon Hooker, tore his ACL, which was so Oof. sad to see in that game. I mean, he's had one of the unbelievable seasons, even though they lost a game to Georgia. I, I think everyone felt like Hendon Hooker was a feel-good story, and he tears his ACL. I think Shame. so much depends on these last two games. If USC wins out and Ohio State, if Ohio State beats Michigan and Stroud has a good game in front of everybody, that's going to be pretty big. And then if I know, but Caleb Williams gets yeah. to play Notre Dame the this weekend. Is, That's a big one. Is, is Caleb Williams going to win both these games? <laughs> That's what I worry about for USC, where I feel like Ohio State has a better road to beat Michigan and then win the Big Ten title game. That'll be and their their numbers are both insane. Yeah, they both have thirty something touchdowns, less than five picks. So I think if, if Ohio State runs a table, you know, it all comes down to that last week. And voters are going to have that championship game fresh in their mind. If if CJ Stroud has a big game, they'll say to themselves, Caleb Williams can do it next year. Yeah, I, I don't like that though. I get it, where but anything can happen. It's football, we see injuries happen all the time. I think Caleb Williams has made the case. I mean, he should be the front runner in my opinion. Well, Vegas disagrees. They still have Stroud, right? Is a slight yeah, favorite. I mean, it's it's gonna be Michigan. That's a big stage. If they beat Michigan, I know USC Notre Dame's a big deal too. Yeah. Well, just they, a lot of eyeballs on that game. If they go undefeated, I just think that the committee and everybody looks at those championship games and it's going to make an them. argument. I mean, I think, by the way, I think Kel Williams is a better quarterback. I think he is too. I think yeah. he's the best quarterback in the country. I mean, yeah. Bryce Young is really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Kel Williams is the best pro prospect. Bryce Young is the best quarterback. Because yeah. Williams is a little bigger. I can't tell about Bryce Young in the NFL. I'd be worried about him, about his size. Yeah, everybody. Uh, I, j- I heard some stats. The last quarterback as small as him to get drafted, Seneca Wallace. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not good. Hey. Uh, okay, we got to hear this, though, for a second, because this is Mike Leach, one of our all-time, all-time faves, who is getting ready for Thanksgiving in only the way Mike Leach can. Oh, I always make the gravy, and I do make great gravy. Um, I'm not a big cook guy, and uh, haven't been, but uh, I've made the gravy for decades. I always, uh, let's see, I always get uh, uh, white meat, a little stuffing, not too much, lots of mashed potatoes, gravy over everything. Uh, Hopefully they have greens, they generally don't. (laughs) And then uh, uh, corner green beans. Never sweet potatoes. Ask him if he likes cranberry sauce. Fruit pies better than any of this uh, uh, pumpkin apple stuff, you know. Are you a cranberry sauce fan? Yeah, Yeah, but just just a quick little droplet of it. (laughs) I'm not going to get carried away with that either. (laughs) So that's Mike Leach describing what his Thanksgiving plate is going to look like. And I got to be honest. Thinking about him making gravy, but he keeps clearing his throat so much, like got really Yee. not appetizing to me. It's like I'm gonna <laughs> let me come come over so I can make you some gravy. <laughs> you love those Mike Leach coughing videos. I do. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Was that at halftime when they asked him about the Thanksgiving plate? They ask him these ridiculous questions in the middle of the game, and he's always up to answer them. I. It's better than the Mike Leach try and turn it on the tables on the reporter and ask the reporter, what did you think of that third down <laughs> yeah. That's always just Mike Leach trying to be smarter than everybody. Yeah, he'd like some uh, greens. Who are you fooling, Coach? I don't think so. 855-212-4CBS. <laughs> 855-212-4227. No one's buying that for a second. Uh, okay. Yeah, but you're saying SEC coaches do not have <laughs> balanced diets, Maggie? This is a dreadful accusation. Yeah, I know. How dare I? You know, I just have decades and decades of evidence. This portion of the program is sponsored by Prevagen. Prevagen is the most recommended memory support brand by pharmacists. Would you like to guess, Perloff, the most memorable matchup between the Cardinals and 49ers? I'm going to guess that this is a recent matchup because they haven't really been super competitive throughout history. When the Cardinals were good with Kurt Warner, I don't think the Niners were elite. When the Niners were great, I don't think the Cardinals were elite. So I think it's last year, Kyler Murray. No, no, I don't know. It's it's recent. (laughs) I think it's recent because you've been skewing recent and there can't be any, I don't remember any classes. Do you remember any old time Cardinals Niners? Well, if you mean by recent, you mean the century, then you've got it. (laughs) All right. I'll take that. (laughs) Okay. So you're in the ballpark. One of the most memorable matchups between the Cardinals and 49ers came on October 10th, 2004. The 49ers trailed by 16 points with less than five minutes left in the game, but Tim Rattay led San Francisco oh, on two geez. touchdown drives <laughs> of 70-plus yards to tie the game at 28. Then in overtime, Todd Peterson hit a 32-yard game-winning field goal. Wow. The 49ers led the all, lead the all-time series 32-29, to including two victories last year and 11 wins in the last 14 times the last two have played. Thank you, Stu. Wow, Tim Rattay. Yeah. Dude, you were really scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> for that game, weren't you? There's a lot of research involved in this one. Uh, no I Nick kinda, Mullins games, huh? Yeah, not a whole lot there in terms of competitive games. All right, well, speaking of not being competitive, Zach Wilson. Uh, now, the Jets are competitive. <laughs> they have a playoff caliber defense. The offense, on the other hand, is struggling because Zach Wilson is struggling. Now, yesterday, the score of the game was obviously super low, uh, low-scoring game. We understand that. It could have been so much worse. The Patriots must have dropped, what, three interceptions yesterday? One yeah. easily could have been a pick six, the Devin McCourty one. So it was even a little bit skewed. Mac Jones and Zach Wilson were like, who can lose this game faster between these two quarterbacks? And ultimately, Zach Wilson was on the bad end of it. The special teams touchdown was what sealed it. Zach Wilson was 9 for 22. The Jets averaged... In the second half, 2.7 inches per play. That's just how anemic the Jets' offense became against the Patriots. And so after the game, Zach Wilson was asked if he thinks the offense is to blame or if he let down the defense. As an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. No. All right, so there you go. No. Uh, Robert Sala, head coach of the Jets, was asked about the offensive struggles. Can you talk about the second half, especially the offense, seven possessions, only two total yards? Um, yeah, it was dog <laughs> Well, there you go. That's succinct. That sounds like New York right there. Okay, I have a, a bunch of questions off of this. Okay. I think, first of all, the problem, for me, the problem is not what Zach Wilson said in the press conference, although that seems to be the number one problem in New York City right now. It's clearly what he did on the field. But the second question, is it possible that he was protecting the offense? 
They said, is it on the offense? And he didn't want to sell out the other 10 guys and be like, he should have said, no, it's on me. Would have been the right answer. Yeah. But I don't think he really wanted to sell out the entire offense. I think he was trying in a weird way to be protective there. Is it possible? Because the question wasn't, did you let down the defense? The question was, did the offense let down the defense? And he said, no. I think you're right. I think that he should have owned it. He should have okay. Yeah, he should have said, like, I need to play better. This yeah. is like the oldest thing in the book when it comes to team sports. When you win, it's we. We did a great job. And when you lose, it's I sucked. I didn't do what I need to do. You know, it's always, that's always what you want to project, and especially if you're a quarterback. And he violated that rule yesterday. And the fact of the matter is, he isn't playing well. And you know what? He just might not be good yet. Will he ever be good? I have no idea. But right now, he's just not a good quarterback. But is are we doing too much on this one game? Too? Didn't he just beat the Bills a couple weeks ago? Yeah, but if you... He didn't do much, he, I know. He didn't beat the Bills. The defense is good. They but, are legit good. But you could walk away from that game saying, okay, Zach Wilson was not great. I think a couple... He's had a couple good games since his injury. I think he's had some some big numbers, at least, for him. At least... I think he had at least a 200-yard game or something. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh... I don't recall like a great game from him. Not a great game. You were saying, oh, Zach Wilson turned the corner. Zach Wilson is the reason. You know, Zach Wilson is looks like a starter in this league. And then I think you add on top of it, like, you know, these are the kinds of things that snowball on you in a city like New York because you already okay. If the the two times you played the Patriots. The defense allowed one touchdown. The defense allowed one touchdown. That's incredible if you know the history, the terrible history between the Patriots and the Jets, at least from the Jets side of things. They've lost to the Patriots 14 straight times. So for the defense to only allow one touchdown, that's like a miracle stuff. And the fact that the offense could not help and Zach Wilson was the culprit, he's got to own it. Yeah, definitely. But... I think the bigger problem was that he played so poorly. It's not what he says. Because how many quarterbacks say nothing in the post-game press conference? Like, what's the difference? If he had said, you know what, I own that, I played terribly, are Jets fans going to feel better today? If they are, they're morons. No, he would have stopped the snowball, though. Maybe. But Maybe. why is it? And this is, feels like a an overreaction in New York. Do you think Joe Douglas cares about the New York market? I think there's, there's 32 teams. There's, what, there's 28 markets or 29 markets because there's two teams at LA, too. Yeah. They all have the same. These owners and the general managers, they're not scared of these fans. They have bigger things to worry about here. They're desperately trying to win. So I don't feel like, oh, because he said no in the press conference, it really makes a big difference in the long term. Honestly, I think Zach Wilson wins the next game. New York fans are so fickle. They'll be, we loved them all <laughs> or whatever. Well, fans are di- are the same anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing about what goes on in New York. Yeah. Is that you already know that you have an owner who's a wild card. Woody Johnson is somebody who thinks that he is a very smart football guy, and he's come in to make decisions for the football team that a general manager may not have wanted to make, right? Did anyone want to trade for Tim Tebow? I love when Tim Tebow comes into our studio. He's a great guest. That was done for publicity, and it was done to try to get people in the seats. And I don't know, like, this is where I think this could be going here with the Jets, is they spent the second overall pick on Zach Wilson. He's not ready to win now. The rest of the team is ready to make the playoffs, and they haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So the owner could say, listen, if he can't do it, we should be looking at the market to try to bring in a veteran quarterback 
who can replace Zach Wilson or who is ready to win now. Definitely. So I think that Jimmy Garoppolo but has anything to do and with some, New- some of that. None of that has a single thing to do with New York. Right? I mean, the fact that your quarterback has more interceptions than touchdowns, that's what that's about. It doesn't matter about the fans, Okay, does it? so there was also a report that came out from SNY, which is a, you know, a TV station here in New York, that Zach Wilson, that there were people in the locker room who were upset with how Zach Wilson was, like, carrying himself after the game. Mm. And so, okay, it was anonymous sources. You want to you know, uh, roll your eyes at it, but... You know, anonymous sources didn't do well for Carson Wentz when he was trying to win back the locker room in Philadelphia. Sometimes this stuff does start, the perception starts right. to become the reality. It has, none of that matters. The fact that he's terrible on the field is going to make the, well, I of mean, course. he had nine touchdowns and 11 picks as a rookie. He has four touchdowns and five picks this year as a second year player. It doesn't take, it doesn't matter what the fan base says <laughs> yes. or what the wild card. By the way, a lot of teams brought in Tebow. The Patriots brought in Tebow. The Eagles brought in Tebow, two of the smartest teams in the league. So I'm not going to call that a crazy move by the Jets. The fact is Zach Wilson has to pick it up a little bit here. He's clearly, he's clearly in trouble. Well, but two years in, do you give up on a guy who's the second overall pick? I mean, it's just I, two yeah. years and he got hurt and missed a lot of games in the first year. And yeah. now I think a lot of people are saying he's probably going to be benched here soon. I would say bridge quarterback. So someone, to, a veteran to push Zach Wilson. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Uh, if you had to look at your crystal ball, Jets offseason, what do you think they do for quarterback? I could see him doing something splashy or trying to. I could see them trying to go after like a Jimmy Garoppolo, something like that. Someone who is just is more veteran to either come in and push Zach Wilson or just to outright take the job. Ooh, is that splashy though? Jimmy G. I thought you were going to say Aaron Rodgers. That's splashy. Jimmy G. So here's the thing is about Jimmy Aaron G a bridge quarterback or splashy? Um, well, I mean, he's got some gravitas, doesn't he? I, I know that we think he's not the reason why the 49ers win. Like, they try to do everything kind of around around Jimmy G. But for the Jets, yeah, it'd be gravitas. Okay. Um, what do you think of Rodgers? I think that Rodgers, here's the one thing. Could it really end up that just like Favre gets traded to the Jets, that somehow Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets? That almost feels like a fable or something. Yeah, I was wondering if you're Rodgers, you might say no to that, right? Does he have a no trade clause? I don't think he does. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think he has to agree to wherever he's going in principle. They, nobody wants an unhappy Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's true, and I think I could be wrong. Maybe they'll like, do whatever they want. I think he's kind of like pie in the sky, right? Like Aaron Rodgers would be like a super long shot. If Lamar Jackson and those kind of contracts, you know, negotiations break down, would that be something? I don't know. Oh, Lamar Jackson. Okay, now we're reaching. Well, I mean, this I'm talking. You're talking about <laughs> pie in the sky. Why would the Ravens let Lamar Jackson go? I have no. I think he's going to get franchise tag for two more years. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. If all of a sudden it's like, hey, listen, I want a long term deal. You're not meeting my demands. I, mean, I don't it, think Lamar would do that, but. Yeah, so it's going to be, yeah. I mean, see, to me, Jimmy G's a bridge quarterback. Like, San Francisco looked at him and said, you're not good enough. We're bringing in a rookie. We're bringing in Trey Lance, who, by the way, is not doing any better than Zach Wilson. Uh, So I think it's more like an Andy Dalton type, right? Or uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick type. Uh, Somebody right in between, good enough to start, will be there with Zach Wilson. Then at least you hope, because you have Zach Wilson under contract, you're not just going to cut him, are you? See, I don't think so. And again, you you sent, spent a, the second overall pick yeah. on him. But Andy Dalton is a backup now. I'm sorry. I know he's coming off a really good game. But he's well, that's a what you're going to get. Now. You're going to get a high-end backup, low-end starter, bridge quarterback. Now. I know, but I don't think that's going to be like – that doesn't count as splashy. That counts as no, filling out a, the roster. I That's what's called a bridge guy. Right. I think Jimmy G is splashier than that. Yeah. I mean, 
Jimmy G happens to be playing well right now, but coming into this offseason, Jimmy G was a high-end backup. Yeah. It was technically a start of week one on the bench. He was a backup. I've also heard Derek Carr. Yeah, maybe. That's a lot better than Jimmy G. I mean, that's way Well, Derek Carr is better than Jimmy G. Right. Jimmy G needs gadget arm wide receivers who can reach up and catch his consistently high well, throws. Well, Garrett Wilson might be one of those guys. Do you think Garrett Wilson and well, Elijah Moore? Well, he's not Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah, they're not quite. Uh, I'm talking about Jimmy G. He needs oh, a Brandon Ayuk and yeah, Debo and Samuel, Samuel and George no. Kittle. Yeah, the Jets have some potential in weapons. I, I don't think a quarterback's going to be excited to come here next year. See, I disagree. And, and the I other think reason, you see it, that defense. You see they ooh. have a good offensive line. They have some weapons. Like, they have a good run game when healthy. Aaron Rodgers is not coming into this division by choice. There's no way he wants to see Josh Allen and that Dolphins offense every week. He's been in the NFC North where there's nobody. That's <laughs> yeah. where he wants to stay. He does not want to see Josh Allen. I know you're you're not too excited about your bills right now, but Aaron Rodgers is well aware of how good his division <laughs> is. No, I, he definitely got a taste of it when he came to Buffalo. That's for sure. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Without Zach Wilson, would a high-end quarterback want to come to the Jets? Would Aaron Rodgers want to come to the Jets? I don't know. Depends how bad he wants to get out of Green Bay, if at all. 